Hello, this is Chuck Solomon, and welcome to the Candidate Experience Podcast, where we focus on the job candidate journey from apply to onboard and the space in between. Let's get started. care about the candidate experience, but have you ever wondered exactly how to bring your company to that next level and offer a world-class experience to your candidates? It's not easy. Fortunately, Candidate.FYI can help. Their solution guides candidates through your hiring journey, enhancing transparency and communication at every touchpoint. You'll also gain valuable insights on what's working and what's not with your hiring process. Best of all, it integrates directly with your ATS. Head on over to candidate.fyi and see how to transform your company's candidate experience today. In this Ham, Robots, and Goldman Sachs episode, we discuss how employer branding helps set the stage for the whole candidate journey. If you have not heard my guest, James Ellis, speak before, then you are in for a treat. Listen carefully to how he unpacks why setting expectations consistently and correctly is so very important to your employer brand. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe and please tell others. Want to comment, discuss, or provide feedback? Send me a note through LinkedIn or via the contact form on our website, www.the cx.xyz. I thank you in advance for your feedback, and here's my interview. Hey everyone, this is Chuck, and today on this episode, I have a special guest speaker, James Ellis. Welcome, James. Hey, Chuck. A, a special may be overstating it, but I'm, I'm certainly a guest, so I'll take that. <laughs> Well, thanks. Um, James is a you know experienced podcaster, keynote speaker, um, and in just in case James that that people haven't heard uh, of you and what you do, can you give a little bit of a bio on yourself? So um, I, I there might be one person that's never heard of you before, but please, it's very please let everyone else please let everyone else know who you are. Yeah. Uh, if, if there's only one person who doesn't know who I am, then I've really done my job more than anything else. No, I'm uh, James Ellis. I'm a professional employer brand consultant type person, but mostly I am a professional ham. Um, you know, the most dangerous place is between me and a microphone or me and a stage. So uh, bear that out. So if, if, if maybe Chuck gets a second question in, we'll be impressed. I tend to really answer a question and go nuts with it. So, uh, But I've done agency side. I've done in-house side. I was formerly the uh, global employer brand manager for uh, Groupon, you know, across the you know the entire world. Uh, and now I'm doing consulting work. So I, you know, to me, I sleep, I breathe, I blog, I podcast, I darn near dream about employer brand stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I think when I think of employer brand, I think it, that is being sort of like the first step, first step in in um, making sure candidates get a good experience with your company because that's what they're seeing. They're seeing your employer brand. So um, I'm glad um, glad you're going to talk about this. I will do my best to get in a question or two there, but <laughs> I I think you might have come up with my you know I I go into these things. And don't have a to- you know have a topic I want to talk about, but I don't have a sort of what is the um, 
clickbait, if you will. <laughs> I don't get yeah, people what killer prompt. Stuff. Yeah. What What is the you know what is the t- what is the title? So maybe Ham uh, might be uh, mm. that's that's in the front end running for me. But that works. Yeah. Awesome. Let's talk. Um, you know, t- tell me in your experience why do you think certain employer branding messages will resonate with certain kinds of people and you know not with others? So I guess I'd start with this. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time, hands down. You can watch it a million times. What's your favorite movie? Oh man, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Murray. Yep, Caddyshack for sure. Answer, yeah, and certainly a very quotable movie. I'll give that and Fletch probably the top quotable movies of the '80s. Uh, and I think you're wrong. I think it's a good movie, but not a great movie. And that's fine. <laughs> and that's, that's fine. And you're allowed to have your personal choice and you know your predilections towards sort of, you know, wacky, but very deadpan wacky and, and that sort of thing. I get that. I get why you like that, but it's not necessarily my bag. And I think I only bring that up not because I just, you know, want to learn more about Chuck. I do, but I also want to kind of point out that people like different things. And I think what happens in a lot of companies and, you know, there's a million fingers you could point at to say that's the problem and that's why. And, and some of them are HR and some of them are just corporate think and some of them are just, you know, human beings and, and, and systems as a whole. But the idea is that, if you're trying to talk to people, the smart thing, the marketing move is to say, let's talk to all the people. Well, how do we talk to all the people when all the people are different? In fact, there's probably nothing more messy than a human being. And if you put two of them together, they get exponentially messier. And then let's put 10 of them together. And oh my goodness. And oh, wow, we're trying to, our addressable market is anybody who knows how to code or anybody who knows anything about data science or anybody who knows how to be a nurse. Wow, that's a lot of messiness we have to deal with. So let's go ahead and talk to the middle. Let's talk about the safe space. Let's talk about the the very easy, safe area. And let's talk about how everybody's favorite movie is Titanic, which, of course, you are in my movie. Favorite movie is not Titanic. And yet somehow, statistically, based on number of tickets sold, Titanic's probably some, most people's favorite movie of all time. Yet if we talk about here's – a, here's a great example of a movie, Titanic, we'd both be like, Yonsville, no thanks. <laughs> So when I talk, when I think about you know where candid experience employer brand comes from, it starts by really understanding what's this company all about. You know, you think about Google's my obvious example because everybody knows who it is and everybody you know thinks they understand it. And everybody goes, sure. yeah, everybody wants to work for Google because you know nap rooms and unlimited M and M's and free food and you know when you go. 14 steps to the coffee machine, which is high end. There's 16 different kinds of milk. Uh, and I'm not kidding. Some of these places have insane amounts. The perks are insane. Everybody thinks, oh, what an amazing place to work. And there was a time way back when, when you and I were young, um, when Google was sexy, technical, innovative, cutting edge, pushing boundaries, trying new things, willing to go and do things that no one had ever done before. What? You're going to put maps online and they're, they're, they're easy to access and they zoom in and you're going to put a camera on a million cars and drive them around the world and take pictures of everything? Are you insane? That's a moonshot. Wow. Amazing technology. That's for sure. <laughs> but that was 15 years ago. Right. Who's Google now? Can I sell you an ad? Can I sell you an ad? Can I sell you an ad? Hey, I have a new platform on which I can sell you an ad, sell you an ad, sell you an ad. Google is not, you know, despite Alphabet and having kind of a Team X space, Google is not the cutting edge company it used to be. So if you're looking for a cutting edge company, you have to invent a time machine to go back to Google to say that's what a cutting edge company is. Now it's a company that you go, I'm going to go work there because it's safe and stable. That is effectively a 180 shift from where it started and how it became famous. So what happens is the company has its own DNA. What makes it different, special, unique, what have you? Is it a company that's all about 
helping you feel comfortable and good about yourself? Is it a company that's all about giving you and, and everybody who works there a mission, a North Star to sail to, whether it's you know saving the polar bears or going to Mars? What's their big mission? What's their big North Star? Maybe it's about status. Join us and you're going to become famous and people are going to become well-known. You know, It's like a top-tier law firm. Or, uh, you know, the the companies that really value the status level of, or, you know, the status of not being famous, but to say, oh, really? I work for Goldman Sachs. And everybody in the room goes, ooh, that level of status. Or maybe it's about, uh, I want to work with the best, the highest, the coolest, newest innovation, and I want to push myself to fail a lot in order to make this new innovation happen. Or, or, Or there's lots of different drivers that a company fulfills, right? If you work for a nonprofit, you do not choose to work for a nonprofit because of the status. It's just that's not why you do it. You don't choose to work to Goldman Sachs because you're, you know, the mission of making as much money as you can before you're 30 is not, you know, you're not saving the world here, right? You have a reason why you choose the companies and jobs you choose. Now, if you can understand as a company why you exist and what makes you special, you can figure out what to communicate out to the world to say, are you like us? Does this scratch your particular itch? If so, we should start a conversation. And that to me is like the very base level of understanding what is an employer brand. If you're looking, if you understand you as a person and what you're looking for in a job, whether it's work-life balance or a boat ton of cash or a team you can count on or the ability to do great work or uh, the expectation that you will be pushed to test yourself and show exactly how good you can be, is that the itch you're scratching? Great. Does this company offer it? If so, you're now speaking a similar kind of language. And that's like a dog whistle, right? It's like, I'm, you know, Goldman Sachs never promises, hey, you're going to come here and save the world. What they show you is on the website, really nice suits, really nice watches, really nice cars. Hey, the message I'm getting is I'm going to be here for money. And that's great. I'm not begrudging anyone making money. But if you can communicate why people work here and why people are happy here, you're setting the expectation game that leads into everything else that you know, supports a concept of a successful candidate experience. If I come in, like if I, if you went to, I remember as a kid, I did this once. I went to grab a, a mug and I thought it was milk because it was a white mug. And I kind of glanced at it and I assumed the liquid in it was milk and it was water. And I was like, oh, this is the worst milk ever. <laughs> yes, because it's water. So if you said, hey, this is going to be water. I'm sure it was wonderful water. I'm sure it was delicious water. But if you're expecting milk, it's it's disgusting. And that's the same thing as a candid experience is that if you say, we're here to save the world, but everything about you says um, innovation or status or whatever, if, it's, if it doesn't line up, if your communication, if your outreach says, we're here because we're all about work-life balance and supporting you as an individual to, you know, to, to have the best possible life or blah, 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 or whatever it is. And you come in and you say, okay, everybody, we're going to have stress interviews and you're not allowed to talk to the hiring manager to the last round and we're going to negotiate hardball to you. Where's the disconnect? Because now you're having an expectation fight. I was told this would be about a work-life balance. I was told that we'd be working as a team, but everything here is antagonistic. Everything here is competitive. What am I truly to understand about this company? And that leads to uncertainty on the candidate's part, at which point the candidate just goes, especially in this day and age where where the jobs are plentiful, they just go, you know what? It's easier if I just go to some place that says who they are and means it and sticks to it. And that's really the problem. So that to me, when I talk about employer brand, that's the beginning of it, but it threads all the way through the entire candidate experience, the candidate journey, even the onboarding, even the offboarding. You know, when that person leaves, what do they, what, why did they like or not like working there? What were they told? What were their expectations? And what are they going to communicate out to the world about working at that company? 
it's about it sounds like it's about authenticity is what i hear you saying it's about authenticity and 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 interesting enough i just uh it was just announced yesterday i just read about it today uh you you gave me a good segue into Goldman Sachs. Well, Goldman Sachs announced that it wants to invest in DNI, diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. and it has set some pretty lofty goals uh, to uh, recruiting uh, both women as well as diverse candidates um, across their whole business. So, and that's um, a great idea. And so, let's yep, talk about that for yep. a second because it's much. Because I like to point, I like to kick around Goldman Sachs because let's be fair, they can buy and sell me before breakfast, and I don't think they worry True. about me. I'm not, I'm not really making anybody too mad there. Um, but so let's say a company like Goldman Sachs, they said, okay, we're going to be all about diversity and we're going to promote the sense of diversity. And a woman comes and applies and she's a great candidate and she kicks butt at the interview and she gets the job and she shows up and they say, yeah, our, our maternity leave is what the legal law allows. It's the smallest we allow. Uh-oh. Okay, well, so yeah, so hold on. What were you telling me about this concept of we care about diversity when the internal processes, the internal policies, the actual DNA and the culture of the company are about competition, competition, competition? What are you trying to tell me? Now, if you can figure out a way to thread that needle to say, look, if Goldman Sachs is all about status and competition, that's fine, but certainly there are going to be Latino candidates and black African-American candidates and Asian-American candidates and gay candidates and women candidates and disabled candidates, military candidates, you know, you know, every flavor of the rainbow, right, who are saying to themselves, I'm all about competition. So when you talk about diversity, that's a, a, a through line. It's a, it's a hook onto which you say, when we say diversity – and connect that to who we are and what we're motivated by, this is what we mean. So when a nonprofit says we're all about diversity, maybe they mean wheelchair ramps. Maybe they mean we're going to be all about physically uh, people with, with, with physical issues, and we're trying to figure out how to make the world as safe and, and, and completely accessible to them as humanly possible to say this is our commitment to that. But once you get in the job, the job's the job. So how do you connect those dots? And I think it's a much more complicated conversation to say, I mean, authenticity is a nice buzzword and it's a nice way of labeling things, but authenticity is one of those words where once you get below the surface, you start to realize what a mess it is and what it means to be truly authentic. And when you get to the point of saying, yeah, we're all about diversity, you're saying, yeah, but you don't have any paternity leave because legally you don't have to, or your maternity leave is the minimum, or um, you know, your number of uh, women leadership, women in leadership is, is low. All that stuff says, okay, what do you mean by diversity? Because these are all words. These are all simple. And those words are symbols for what you want me to think about you. But when I dig deep, what am I really finding out? And as a, as a good candidate, as a smart job seeker, I am going to scratch that surface. And so for a company to say, we're all about X and leaving it at that, making all their ads about X, making all their career sites about X, and their job descriptions and social posts and glass door responses and all that stuff about X. And I go past the X and I well, wait, wait, what's really going on? That's when the uncertainty happens and that's when I walk out the door. So when we talk about authenticity, we mean at the DNA level. We mean all the way down. We mean from leadership to the processes and policies to the day-to-day activities inside the company. If you don't get that, then it's very hard to communicate what you're all about. Sure. I think uh, messy is a key word to that. Uh, hiring is about hiring human beings. We haven't, oh, yeah. uh, we have not been able to go ahead and uh, replace every human being, although AI is trying to knock on the door of that. However, hiring and and jobs are going to be about humans, and humans are messy. Mm-hmm. Humans have emotions. Humans are uh, complicated people, more complicated yeah. than 
than uh, than I think anything else out there. So awesome. Yeah, and you talk to AI people who are selling it. They talk about how you're extracting the messiness from this process when you can't extract messiness from a human being. So, you know, I think I saw an, uh, an article about uh, some company has a robot or a bot that can actually do a full interview on you. I said, okay, well, that's cool. And I can imagine all the recruiters whose time is freed up because they no longer have to do that phone screen process because it's, it's now automated, robotized. But now... How does the robot understand messiness? Or do we play that game of kabuki theater where, okay, if recruiting wants X, I'm going to give them X, right? At no point did I wake up and say, you know what I want to do? I'm going to put all my professional experience on a two-page, let's call it a resume maybe. I don't know. And I'm going to put it in a certain format that apparently the rest of the world seems to understand and the scanner understands and the ATS understands. The recruiters have, you know, have told us all this is the way we want things. And we've all learned how to game that system, how to – spell a resume and how to write a resume that really highlights what we're strongest at, that sells the message we're trying to sell at. My resume doesn't look like your resume because I'm trying to game a system in a way that's congruent to me in the same way that you're doing the same and everybody's doing the same. When the robots show up, you just double down on that. It's an exponential factor of, okay, conform to what I'm expecting you to say. So if, if the robot asks the question of, tell me why you left your last job, it's really waiting for like three answers, right? You may say it a whole lot of different ways, and there's a whole lot of logic and fuzzy math behind the whole, you know, behind the curtain that kind of extracts, okay, that answer goes into this bucket. But if now I'm understanding I'm being interviewed by a robot, isn't it on me to say, how do I tell the robot what I want it to hear? And therefore, I become a robot because now I'm just programming myself and my responses to meet what I want, think the robot wants me. And then suddenly, it's an arms race. How fast can we get to that middle of boringness where the robot's looking for a boring answer and I'm willing trying to give it the most boring answer so I can move on to the next stage where I can actually talk to another fellow messy human being and say, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Here's the real me. You really want to hire me, and this is why. This is where things get super messy in the automation side and the candidate experience side because we're playing that arms race. Recruiting says, we want X from candidates. We're candidates say, great, but I'm going to do my darndest to game the heck out of this system. And anybody who doesn't try to game the system, you know, what's the, the rule in baseball? If you're, not treat, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Isn't that right. the, the model for recruiting? If you're not trying to game that system, what the heck do you think you're doing? You ain't special. Like, nobody else is Steve Jobs. Nobody else is, 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 is uh, Bill Gates. Nobody else is special like that. So you have to find a way to game that system. You have got to cheat. And the robots are not going to stop it from happening. They're simply going to change what cheating looks like. Yeah, I think there is a place for those robots. And when I'm talking to when I'm talking to my clients that I work with and help them with their hiring problems, and you know, we I ask them, well, how do you schedule interviews? And they're like, oh, well, we just you know send it a few times. And and I said, so do you go back and forth, emailing back and forth with candidates on? On when's a good time? And they said, yeah, isn't that the way everyone does it? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like one way, I mean, there's a few AI tools out there available that actually will schedule your mm-hmm. meetings for you. I think that's a good re- reason for it. Um, and if you're Absolutely. not ready, if you are not ready for AI, there's a whole bunch of links out there. Calendly, HubSpot, there's mm-hmm. another one I just uh, heard of schedule once where you mm. can let your calendar o- be open to other people and they can book themselves. It's pretty simple. So that yeah, saves a whole, get, of, a whole lot of time yeah, if you, there. If you can have that fight as a recruiter, if you can have that fight with HR about allowing a plugin to look at your email, which is what HR and HRIS kind of freak out about, then right. yeah, there's a whole lot of tools to get to that. 
Yeah, I think the the link is a baby step. Um, you know, you have to you have to learn how to crawl before you walk, before you run. So baby steps here. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, and I and I know that the the pro. I mean, since we are dealing with messy human processes, and recruiting in HR is nothing but the management of messy human processes. To say that we're going to apply rules, which is what robotics and automation is, is you know, yes, maybe it supports 80% of your problems, but it's the, it's the 20% that falls outside of the automated process. That's where the magic is, right? If I have a degree, I can check a box and you can say, great, that's, that's helping us kind of pull some time away. But really, this person's going to fit. This person's motivated by what the company, this person is going to feel like that they're being rewarded for the things they want to be rewarded for. And it's going to put forth the effort and put forth the energy and passion and spirit to make something amazing. Or no, this is the person who's going to just phone it in because they don't quite fit, but it's easier to just stick around and be safe than not. That stuff, you cannot, I don't care how much blockchain and automation and AI and data science you throw at it, you can't fix that. You can't automate that. And I think because recruiters aren't in the driver's seat a lot of this stuff, right? Usually they're just the ones complaining or the ones concerned about, um, you know, the business is expecting more out of them for less, right? You know, they're recruiting yeah, exactly. the cost center, right? Recruiting the cost center. So therefore the business's job is to squeeze that cost center till it's as small as a pin. Um, but recruiting really, when you get right down to it, is the process of adding talent to the business to make better business decisions and to grow the business. Tying that together allows recruiting to be, to, you know, to have a seat at the table, but that's so uncommon. So if your position is that of a cost center, yeah, throwing automation at it because I don't value what the recruiter does because it's just, you're just facilitating. You're just asking the same questions in the phone screen. You're just you know, walking around the office. You're just making I show up to the interview, right? Isn't that all, all you do, recruiter? That's when automation kind of takes over and suddenly everybody looks the same and you're back to gaming the system. Recruiting has to figure out a way to say, look, our job is to manage that messy process, not just because it's messy, but because it adds value to the company's bottom line. And I think that's the conversation that most recruiters need to get into. There's a part of that that loops right into candidate experience to say, look, if we find great talent, if great talent just wanders into our ATS for whatever reason, we got to find a way to hang on to them and figure out to say, this is the story that's compelling and meaningful, that's authentic, that's consistent across the entire process through the interview, through the screener, through the walking around the office, through the hire manager, through the interview loop, through the, the feedback, through the disposition, all of that has to be congruent. And if it's not, then you're creating confusion and that's going to show itself in the exit interviews and the, you know, the, 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 the surveys for candidates and the glass door reviews and all that stuff. You really have to understand what consistency means, not to a simplistic idea of we're all about, I don't know, making money or we're all about making the customer happy. Every business is about making money and making the customer happy. I don't think those are values you can put on a poster in your office. But what's special about you? What's unique about you? And in the world of Facebook and Google and all, you know, all these other massive companies who do so many things so well, how do you differentiate yourself in that space? Good stuff, James. I appreciate your time today. Um, if people want to find you, um, how would they go ahead and find you? Well, the easiest way is to Google me while I have a pretty simple name at this point. If you put James Ellis employer brand, I'm super easy to find. Um, if they like the sound of my voice, they're going to love my podcast, the talent cast, which is available wherever they get talent or wherever they get podcasts. Um, otherwise I'm kind of everywhere. So come find me, come say hello, come argue with me, come tell me I'm wrong. Lord knows you won't be the first. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I love engaging with people about this stuff. This is really new, really interesting. It's, it's going to shape a lot of our jobs and a lot of our futures and you know being hip deep in that conversation is is where I love to be. Thanks for your time today James. Thanks Chuck.
Thanks for listening to the Candidate Experience Podcast. You can reach out to us via our website, thecx.xyz. That's T-H-E-C-X dot X-Y-Z.